Out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Yes, indeed, that is not so true. But thank you, Jim. Hello, welcome. This is David Eastall. This is the C86 show, as I often say, playing the finest in indie pop. Well, in this time, um, I've been delving into some of the archives that I've done, interview-wise. And this is with the former guitarist with Jethro Tull, Martin Barr, who was in the band from 1969 right through to 2012. This is the interview. And also, he'd just released a solo album that was titled... Roads less travel. This is Ginji, and this is the first part where I began asking Martin what he was up to and what the project was all about. This is the reply, Martin. Take it away. Well, I, I'm going to go back sort of eight years when Jethro Tull finished. Um, uh, I started sort of re. I'd already done a few solo CDs, but um, I, I recorded. I've recorded four solo CDs and two DVDs since Toll finished and, uh, and sort of uh, put a band together eight years ago and it sort of changed a little bit. So, so now the current band is, is a, I feel, the strongest one I've had. Uh, we've been on the road pretty well constant for the last six years uh, and uh, playing UK dates. I mean, the UK sort of a very steady, it's always been there for me. And to a, uh, a degree, Europe's the same. America, unfortunately, for everybody over here, but uh, it, it's the, uh, the the market that you have to crack and really work really, really hard, almost starting again from, from the very beginning. So we, we, we've done probably about six, seven US tours and... Um, uh, uh, tend to spend a lot of time over there. It's a big place, yes. but um, it, it, it's, it's busy. We, we, we've had a really busy few years, and and and, and now we're booking 2020, which is obscene. <laughs> it's obscene. My wife says you're wishing our lives away. Yeah. I'm trying to explain. Well, that's where <laughs> that's what happens uh, when you book two, is that you know they book so far in advance. But it, but it's exciting. I, I've got a lot of projects. Um, I'm really happy with the new CD, and we're going to be. We've already started playing some of the tracks uh, at the festivals we've been playing this summer. Yes, and uh, we'll, we'll be playing more of them. Yeah, well, it's interesting because because I've sort of been doing you know interviews with bands for a long time, and I didn't realise, and until I've quite I don't know quite recently, I suppose they, that mostly they have a kind of a five year a narrative, you know, where they kind of get together, mm. they do an album. With a lot of the yeah. bands that I've interviewed, you know, it was John Peel giving them that sort of play that gave them a bit of a kick, you know, yeah. or a bit of a launch that meant that they mm. could play outside their normal little community of friends, family, etc. Yeah. And then and then that first album went quite well. The second album is often wit, which is kind of like a bit problematic. And if anybody, this is the other thing I didn't realise, if anybody ever does America... That seems to be the death of a band. They, they come back, and most people, and literally everyone, they said, you just don't realise what's waiting for you, and it does completely do you in. And I noticed that you've got a phenomenal tour lined up in America, yeah, so yeah. You, and you know yeah. what's coming as well, don't you? I, I do, I do, and 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 I see America. I mean, I, you know, I see the world as as one entity musically, and and uh, essentially, I, I want to play everywhere I possibly can. If time permits, 
Um, uh, so I haven't played in South America yet, or Australia, or Japan, or New Zealand. Or uh, it, it's, there's a lot to do, uh, and I want to do it all. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, America's a very familiar um, territory, particularly for Jethro Tull, because we're there so much. But but really, you know, balance with UK tours. Jethro Tull always did UK tours, sort of every, nearly every year. And, and and that's essentially what I do as well, yeah. and, and I'm trying to fit in Europe and, and other territories in, in between. But yeah, I, you know, I, I find inspiration playing live concerts anywhere, and uh, nothing changes for me. That yes. uh, the audience are there, and and they're usually really, really positive and appreciative, and we we just love playing live and love playing music, and we've got a, a a big story to tell yes wherever we are and do you i mean obviously you've been wanting to continue to record new material so with your tours do you mix it with your new material and solo oh, yeah. as well as the classic mm. material that you're you know old yeah. you know the, the old fans or even new fans mm. but people who come to hear a few of those classics so do you have to mix the lot together yeah, well, I do, and I like to. You know, I, I don't turn my back on my heritage, essentially. And but but then we we change the toll tracks we play, uh, and it's it's either like sixty forty, and and hopefully it will end up being sort of fifty fifty percentage of toll to my own solo stuff. But um, we, we change it all the time, and um, every tour we, we we sort of add another couple of new toll tracks that we haven't played and uh, so it's constantly changing and then my own material is easier because I, there's a lot of it and, um, and, and most of it I've, I haven't played yes. so you know the, with the, the last album Back to Steel that there's a you know sound still sounds fresh when we play it and now we've got a, a you know an, another new CD to draw material from so it, it's, it's, it's great you know I've got more new material than I can handle and, and that for me is perfect because in the latter days of Toll we, we became very stationary and uh, nothing changed and uh, it, it, got, it got predictable and, and to me that, that, that was a very bad thing so I, I always want to go back to uh, the same area with a very different set of music Yes, and obviously, you know, I realised that there was this sort of a vague, there were some vague dates about the anniversary of Jethro Tull, wasn't there? You know, when was 50 years? And I expect both yeah. of you and the members probably don't really care that much exactly, you know, but for the oh. fan, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, cause no. some, yeah, I mean, it was just that... Um, you know, I'd sort of seen various kind of posts of like, when was the 50th anniversary? And, you know, mm. some some people were like, no, it's this year. No, it's not. It's that year. You know, it's like, yeah, so, so yeah. there was a kind of a grey, when is that 50th anniversary? Because obviously fans like to acknowledge these moments. They do. Yeah. And, and, and so do I. You know, it's, 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 it's something to be proud of. And, um, uh, and, and I'm going to do a 50th anniversary tour next year because next year is my 50th anniversary of being in Jethro Tull from 1969. I mean, I joined December 68. But um, so, you know, it, it's more appropriate for me 
and and uh, it'll be three members of Jethro Tell, Clive Bunker, myself, and Jonathan Noyce, with my band as well. And uh, the two girls are going to come, Becca and Alex, are going to come on the road. And we're going to start in America, because also America is the 50th anniversary of playing in, in the USA. Uh, in the UK, it's the 51st. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's a number. And... and uh, you, you, you don't need an excuse to do something special. And uh, and indeed, I, I want all our shows to be special, whatever the title is. But, but, but that's my project for next year. Yes. And obviously, yeah, for the fan, I mean, it's an incredibly... I have no idea what that little tweak is. Um, but yes, um, but, but for the fan, you know, obviously the music means so much, you know, on various levels. And I suppose... As, as I sort of realised talking to more and more people, is that the music you listened to when you were younger, you, you probably consumed it more all the time, and thus it kind of has a deeper resonance, uh, resonance r- resonates more on a deeper level, yeah. because it's just kind of like what, you know, became that soundtrack when everything was very intense when you're young. So obviously those yeah. those kind of early albums... Um, yes, they mean a lot to us fans. Yeah, well, yeah, and to me too. And and uh, you know that they're, as you say, they're the sort of anthems of our youth. We were brought up on them. We had our most um, strong and deep emotion, emotional occasions listening to that music. It, it, it's very important. It's why I still love to listen to Sergeant Pepper's or After the Gold Rush, Neil Young or. Uh, Don Henley, the Eagles, Fleetwood Mac with Peter Green. The, 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 it was an era of great importance musically, uh, and particularly to me, because that's when I was learning um, how to play and uh, just learning all about music and bands. So, and all, I'm, I'm obviously biased, but to me, the, the songs and the music writing from that era still stand up against today's music writing and, and in some ways uh, better. You know, I, I just think some of those songs were, were so simple yet so powerful. Yes. Well, it's interesting because cause obviously we realise that we listen to that music from that decade, you know, from, you know, five, six decades ago, and, you know, even, you know, and, and beyond that, actually. But yes, that particular genre of music. So we'll never know what today's music, how that will be how that will be in 50 years time and whether that yeah. does really stand up to it because yeah. actually we are because I remember growing up and my brother had a he was a bit older than me so he was a bit more into that prog rock stuff in mm-hmm. the 70s and I was listening to these albums and and was quite young at the time and I'd go and listen to his record collection and he had um there was Sergeant Pepper and there was also Goodbye Yellow Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John yeah. and I was just kind of yeah. used to play these you know I was only mm-hmm. about 10 at the time and um, I didn't have and there was no so there was no cultural context of them and it was no oh these are going to be classics but I just played them all the time and and yeah. then later on you realize my god those albums are extraordinary and yes they yeah. they they stand up to the the test of time and just talking yeah. because obviously you're of that age and I remember I was a bit obsessed with David Bowie and there was also at the same age was people like Lemmy and whenever they were asked about their musical influences they always said the same person or same two people really but mostly they always said Little Richard and Elvis Presley were these were these people that also were were part of your soundtrack as well 
Well, well, they were because in those days we were hungry for inspiration, and and you know that that there was no YouTube, no internet to get information from. So um, every vinyl album that that, that that came to the record stores back in those days, you sort of hungrily um, bought them and and devoured the music within them, uh, and and they were great. And so Gene Vincent, Eddie Cochran, Little Richard. Chuck Berry, Elvis Presley, oh, so so many. That um, they all gave us information that we 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 were desperate to have about, you know, guitar sounds, guitar solos, um, rhythms, just musical styles. It it, it was a, I mean, it was a great time of discovery, uh, and and I, I used to go and see these people play um, play concerts in England when when they came over. Um, yeah, and, and they, they, they were great artists, and, and to me they still are. And I always think, you know, when your washing machine breaks down and somebody says, well, you know, they're only meant to last 10 years, I, I, I go, really? <laughs> and I think, well, the, the ones that were made in the 60s were, were made to last 50 years, mate. And, <laughs> and I think same with music, you know, I, it, it's not the same. But but I, I just think we're in a, a disposal, uh, disposable society, uh, and, and and maybe that's the same with music. It's not all of it, but a lot of it is very much the same and a little bit bland, maybe. And you just wonder if you'd be listening to those songs in fifty years' time. And and I'm cynical and sceptical, but. I'm, I hope I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, the, the, I hope so, but I, I, I can't see it. I, I just don't see. It. I don't see the personalities that there were in, in, in the in the earlier days. You know, yeah. there, there'll never be a band like the Beatles. There'll never be an artist like Elvis Presley or Little Richard again. But, but they were amazing. They were groundbreaking. They were. And, and now it's very hard to do that because obviously in your you know the the jethro tull years and especially in the 70s you you know they you played every festival there was going mm. wasn't there you know you were one of those yeah. great festival bands so obviously mm. you you kind of represented it was kind of interesting because there was obviously that kind of counterculture and also the slight prog and you probably weren't really a prog band but you get sometimes dragged into that and you certainly appear yeah. in those record collections where they've got yes genesis barker james harvest wish bash <laughs> jethro yeah. toll so it's kind of interesting yeah. that you managed to sort of sidle you know slide slide in there well well and 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 it still happens you know i'm, I'm playing a prog festival in um november and I think I did a prog festival in Germany last week. I say I think it was prog because you, you couldn't really tell. There was blues and folk and everything. Uh, so it, the, the, the label never bothered me. But, um, yeah, it, it was a stable of artists. And um, in, in the early 70s, late 60s, uh, nearly all those artists came from Chrysalis Records. You know, Chrysalis had Elton John, David Bowie, Rod Stewart, Jeff Beck. Um, Tull, 10 years after, family, just a huge list of artists um, that they managed. Uh, so we were in that, you know, doing the same circuit. Uh, and it, it was, that we weren't the same, but in, in musically we weren't the same, but, but in other ways, you know, we're doing this, we were doing the same uh, gigs. We were, 
uh, do, doing the same. We had the same lifestyle, so, so we we were in that little category all of our own. And and maybe prog covers it. I don't know. It, it, it's not important. No, a, a label's never important because um, I always like to break the rules anyway. Yes, well, absolutely. It was just kind of interesting how that that happened, and also that the the festival scene is another thing that it represented more than just watching the bands. It's like it gave people an identity, and I think so much yeah. about life is about identity, and you identify with yeah. Jethro Tull because you represented yeah. certain things, and your music, yeah. you know, talked about certain but things. Because it's kind of interesting, because 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 I I would say a lot of the songs that I particularly love are probably your romantic melancholic tracks actually mm. and um you know i know that you also do quite political songs as well but i always i'm i'm probably sort of veer towards the melancholia quite quite easily in life really yeah well, well, well I, I think that, that that was one of the strong points about toll and, and hopefully about my music where there's these huge contrasts that you know what one tracks big riff uh heavy drumming straight ahead thrash bash and then the next one, sort of a very pretty song with uh, classical guitar and a mandolin. Uh, I mean, I love the dynamics that music can give you, and, and, and I, I use them as much as I can. Yes. And what would you say to your 18-year-old self, you know, if you were, because you've got decades of experience and you've been through so much, what advice mm. would you give a, a young person starting out <laughs> in music now? Yeah, and, and and what advice would they listen to? Um, <laughs> uh, I, I probably wouldn't give very much because I, you know I, who am I to tell people what to do? And I've made mistakes. And uh, uh, but, but you know, if somebody, somebody asked me, I'd probably say just be your own person. Don't owe anything you do musically to anybody else. Listen to everything, and and, and soak it in. But listen to music you you don't like, and analyse why you don't like it, and and maybe that helps you as well in a parallel way. But I, I just think better to be a musician that that has an identity, however good or bad you are. You don't have to be a fabulous virtuoso guitar player to be a good guitar player. You just have to be different and and bring something to the table that people go, wow, I haven't heard that before. That's really interesting. Uh, and to me, that that means so much more than somebody who could be at a you know a music trade show and play a, a million notes in in two minutes. If, uh, I, I I just like subtlety in music, and you, you can't really learn subtlety. I think you've just got to be aware of it. Mm. Well, it's true because otherwise, as you said, you know. I've seen some of those guitarists who, who, you know, you think, well, that is really technically ma- marvellous, but it doesn't really resonate on an emotional level, whereas there's some guitarists, you know, who probably aren't, weren't amazing. You know, I remember, I suppose, with Neil mm. Young, he wrote the most amazing songs with the most simplistic yeah. chords, but the lyrics meant so much. And then when you just hear yeah. one of those notes, you think, wow, that just comes into your soul or spirit. It really, yeah, well, I love his guitar playing. And, and uh, you know, if, if, I guess if some magazine analysed it, I know they probably would love it as well, but, um, you know, it's not it's not a virtuoso by a long way, but, but it's so personable, you know, it's so, it can only be him. He owns that that style completely. And I think that's amazing to, to be like that. Yes. I, I, I love what he does. 
yeah, quirky. It is, and passionate. I mean, one thing that yeah. I've noticed that trips people up a lot in the wonderful world that is the music business is kind of keeping, a, um, you know, all that world of publishing and admin. Did you manage to navigate those waters mm. with any success? Yeah. <laughs> or was that well, a tricky one? It's a battle, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I spend a percentage of my time doing, you know, as you rightly call, admin, and uh, and I'm all, all, always chasing it. You know, I'm, I'm never on top of it, and I'm never in front of it. But it's uh, it's probably the last thing <laughs> on the bottom of my to-do list. At the top of it is probably write music. No, at the top of it would be practice. Play your guitar. Play your instrument. Second, keep writing music. Third rehearse with the band and then organize tours book flights book hotel and then very much at the bottom would be all those sort of um make sure you got your publishing up to date and you know you contracts uh, i i find uh, it's it's literally not prioritized in, in my world but, but i'm i have a lot to do and my wife helps me run the band uh, to a huge extent and and we you know that there are days when we just sit at the table, the computer at each end for twelve hours, and at the end of the day, you just go, "Wow, <laughs> what happened there <laughs> and and you, and you know you've got to get up the next day and do the same thing it's uh i i'm 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 not it's not me, it's not in my um makeup to 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 be that sort of a, a person, but it, you have to acknowledge it needs doing. And it's for your own good as well. But uh, yes. no, I'm I'm slack. <laughs> I guess so. And also, I mean, you know, just lastly, I mean, you know, there's still your gang are still doing it. And when you started, obviously, most people, I always remember that little clip of Mick Jagger in about 63, but ask about, you know, how long he'd think it, you know, how long he thinks it's going to last and he ponders and says oh probably another year or two and obviously as a member of the audience we all chuckle because we know that 63 you know he's still at it so you've you've got endurance your gang you know because you're hitting 70 and you and you're still rocking which obviously when you started people thought well you better get a you know real job in a probably couple of years time well yeah i mean that was always the mindset but but you know maybe that made you more determined because you never sort of sat back and took anything for granted because, uh, that, that is, as I said earlier, it's a disposable society and um, you, you, you've got to earn your place in it. Uh, and no, I, and I, I never looked too far ahead. Uh, it'd be a big mistake to do it, but um, it, it's incredible. Yeah, and, 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 and I don't fully appreciate the things that I've been able to do uh, and, and the enormity of it. You know, sort of, I think back and we played four nights at Madison Square Gardens. We played the Albert Hall every year. Uh, you know, if it, if it had been around, we probably would have done a couple of nights at the O2 Arena. But, yes. but when we did those things, it, it was normalised. Uh, where we playing tonight? Oh, you're playing in Chase Stadium. Oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, let's go and get something to eat. Um, it, it, it became the norm. And, and now I just go, Wow. Those are amazing occasions. Uh, I wish I could relive them and, and savour them again. But uh, I mean, I, I, I never was blasé, but, but it just became the norm. And uh, it's, yeah, it's strange looking back at all those things. Yes. And, um, 
But uh, you know, I, I, I love doing what I'm doing. We, we, we play to in sort of the theatre would be a sort of median uh, venue for us. But, but I, I love doing a festival that the German we headlined a festival for the first time last week. Uh, we played to four thousand people, and, and it was amazing. It, it was just fabulous. But then, you know, I'll, I'll do a gig in London, a little club, and play to three hundred, and that will be amazing. Uh, so I, I'm 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 more flexible, and and I really savour and appreciate more what what I do today than 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 in the past. Yeah, well, actually, when you get to a certain age, you know, every day is a kind yeah. of another victory, really. You I mean, say that. another <laughs> victory. Yeah, another I know. Yeah. I'm breathing. I mean, just lastly, I mean, do, do you feel a bit kind of exhausted with you know? Because obviously, there's the kind of certain politics with the band and and you know, you and Ian. Does that sort of something that yeah. weigh on your mind, or do you? Um, well, it it has, but 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 I'm I'm completely past. It and, and the thing that's got me through all of that is the success of my band. And um, uh, we, we did a, a show in Prague, uh, in a, uh, and I mean, a, a festival you're sharing the crowd, even if you're headlining, you're still sharing the crowd with the other bands that are on the festival. But this was me, just a Martin Bar band, and we got 800 people, and, and that's the that's the oh, maybe I played some more, but it, but it, it was. I was so proud of the guys in the band. I just thought, you know, that every one of those people have, have come specifically to see me play, to see the guys in the band play. It, it, it was a, a really precious feeling. And, and I think I've just become more um, appreciative of, of, of the position I'm in. Uh, uh, it, it's, it means so much to me. But, but it, it's got me through all of the politics of... Uh, the last few years, because I'm I'm my own person, you know. I'm writing music, I'm writing lyrics. Uh, I guess I'm the boss. Um, I, I'm making touring plans. I, I do the set list, and I'm arranging music. I've got so much to do, <coughs> uh, and I completely love it. Yes, well, that is a beautiful way to um, feel. And that's a great, um, yeah. that's a great time to finish. But look, Martin, thank you ever so much for giving me your time, and obviously thank you, thank you for the for the amazing music you've uh, <laughs> given us over the decades. It has been quite yeah. special. So um, yeah, I really hope your autumn and the next two years, obviously, if you've got yeah. things lined up, go really well because um, you deserve it. Thank you. And um, yeah, thank you so much. And it's great that you're in such a nice space as well, a nice place. I am, and that's yeah, the I'm most quite happy. <laughs> good. That's always a good feeling. Okay. Well, look. Have a great evening, and best of luck. You, you know, it's yeah. a real, pro, you know, privilege to speak. Okay. Thank take you. care. Thank you, Martin. Thanks, David. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye.